I Call to Order, The Devil's Lettuce Film Society. And uh, this podcast has two types of episodes, usually. The most popular one is where we invite you to get legally high with us and watch a movie along with us, and you can sync our commentary up to your copy of the film. But we also do shorter episodes called Field Journals. Sometimes we watch short-form content and then talk about that. But uh, we're doing something totally different on this one. This is unprecedented in the world of the Devil's Lettuce Film Society. And I'll explain why that is in just a second, but first, allow me to introduce myself. I am your host, The Shaman. With me, of course, my co-host, El Pinchito. That's me! Pew pew, finger guns! And we're coming up on the birthday of the Devil's Lettuce Film Society. So, to to celebrate, celebrate, we're just gonna shoot the shit and talk a little bit about the history of the Devil's Lettuce Film Society, a bit about us, our favorite movies that we've watched, all sorts of topics of that nature. And uh, Pinchy, you had this idea. I'm guessing you had this idea because I know you like those long form podcasts where it's just like in-depth discussion, people talking about what's on their mind and all that jazz. Yeah, man. I don't think there's enough discussion in the world of like, artists talking to other artists about art you know i mean define enough i think there's a lot i think there could always be more (laughs) there needs to be more there needs to be more always more i think always more i certainly know a lot of people many of whom attend the devil's lettuce film society where if you get them on their on the topic of their their artistic passion be there all day, man. Oh, it's I not know. a bad thing. I think no. I think this is this is the thing that unites us. This is this is the thing that has always united us. But I think in like the public sphere, like give me an example of of. I mean, I guess you have like red letter media and stuff. But are they? Mm, I guess they are artists. They do make movies. <laughs> I don't know, man. Video essayists of all kinds. I just out love there. You know, usually, time. yeah. Well, hey, who doesn't? <laughs> I certainly love hearing us talk. We have a podcast together. It's true. This should come as no surprise. It's true. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about the the history of the Devil's Lettuce Film Society. And I realized, is this the, what is this, the the second anniversary, the third birthday? I think is it's this the year third. three? Yeah, this is Yeah, year we three started in 2019. Oh, what a shock that a couple of stoners wow. can't actually remember how long we've been doing this. <laughs> we how long have we been doing this now? We learned it here we today. We'll learn it again. <laughs> but yeah, we started, in fact, the, the very first meeting was in late 2018. And we started recording in December of 2018. Or was it? No, it was November of 2018. Yep. And, and then we delayed. We built up a buffer and delayed starting until 420 of 2019. So we've technically we've been going since 2018, releasing episodes since 2019, and here we are. It's 2022. Oh my god, we've been doing this a while, haven't we? I can't believe how fucking long we've been doing this for. And it was funny because we were doing it before we were doing this. Like me, well, like, yeah, yeah. Well, so don't you like how how okay how I remember us becoming friends in like the <laughs> the ripe old year of. 2013 uh it's a long time ago now it, it was a long time ago was i would find you in the uh movie hut at burning man and we watched mad max because like you know at some point i'm like i just want to go lie down and watch a fucking movie i don't want to go out i don't want to like party i just want to get high and watch a movie and like i'd get in there and then i'd turn to my right and there you would be i was like oh friend <laughs> Well, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, especially by now, if there is a movie showing, I'm going to seek it out. I'm going to sniff that out. Oh, yeah. And and watch it. And yeah, we, we met at Burning Man in 2013. First time I had ever been. And uh, I, I was... Obviously, we were on the same wavelength because after a week of work setting up the installation we were both uh, participating in... And then a week of hardcore partying and work running the installation on top of all the partying. Uh, Yeah, you know, sometimes you just need to chill out in a dome 
watching Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And then after we watched Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, we went to Thunderdome camp <laughs> and watched people fight in the Thunderdome. We totally fucking did. It was a totally immersive experience. It was a damn good time is what it was. It really was a damn good fucking time. And that's how I knew we would be best friends for the Aww. rest of time. Aww. Look at us now. Look at us now. And yeah, that was sort of like that was when we we both recognized like, OK, this person likes movies. This person likes hanging out and watching movies and being chill. But uh after I moved to Toronto, obviously we would, you know, occasionally have movie nights and hang out and all that. But it was the movie Mandy that really started the Devil's Lettuce Film Society. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we watched it. We watched it. We didn't record that. That wasn't the first one we actually recorded. Yeah, the the first meeting is the one that we didn't actually record, and it was you and me and our old buddy Sour Keys, who is a frequent uh, participate uh, participant in the, the Devil's Lettuce Film Society. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's sort of unofficially the the third founder. It was you and me and him, and uh, it's true. I had seen Mandy in theaters. It got a very limited, like one night only engagement before hitting streaming and I saw it and I my mind was blown and I was like I know some people who need to see this and so I I got a copy and you were you were like okay well I got this gold plated joint oh yeah that's right gold wrapped <laughs> 24k karat gold leaf wrapped yeah go on w Walter White I believe was the strain <laughs> it was the strain it was the strain it was Walter yeah. White and uh you're like, I've got the ganja. You've got the movie. Yeah. Let's do this. And we got high and we watched Mandy and we were all sort of blown away by it. And then uh, I forget which one of us it was. Probably you. Someone said, you know, we should really record this. Yeah. 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 Because we, we just would have so much fun. Like the jokes we would make. You had such deep insight into movies, how they're made, storytelling, the directors, the actors. And I remember at one point being like, how do you know this much about movies? And how do you know this much about movies, Shaman? Well, uh, movies have been a lifelong passion of mine. My dad used to take me to this third run theater in Ottawa called the West End Family Cinema, where you could get like a movie ticket for a buck and they sold cheap snacks and you could see newish movies, like movies that hadn't come out on video yet, but they were like, you know, two or three months out of the main theaters. So he would take me to West End Family Cinema almost every weekend, just as a cheap activity to do with your kid. And I saw so many movies and just fell in love with movies collected them obsessively for a lot of my life before streaming was a thing like streaming has really facilitated my consumption of movies i no longer have to seek out the hard copies in order to uh to enjoy them and uh i but back in the days of hard copy media i collected like countless vhs tapes and dvds just stacks and stacks and stacks and would watch them obsessively and always wanted to be a filmmaker, work in the film industry. I went to university for film studies. And as you know, I have made my own short films and worked in the film industry. So it's just like movies are my lifeblood, man. That's how I, people have told me that I have sort of a, an, an unnaturally good memory. And for some reason, I've just decided it's like somebody who has great metabolism eating only junk food. I have a great memory and I just pack my brain full of like movie trivia and crap like that. I mean, when, when you when you truly love something, when you are like so passionate about something, you get to that point of like fidelity, man, where you can just recite like an insane amount of details about this one thing. I understand. Uh, all right. All right. Well, okay. So I know that uh, that you like to get philosophical. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and uh, I I have here a couple of quotes. Um, a couple of quotes that relate to this very phenomenon. This uh, this obsession with film. Um, 
And this first one is uh, from a book by Andrew Saris, and anybody who's in film studies knows that Andrew Saris is the godfather of film criticism. Uh, like uh, the auteur theory. We've talked about the auteur oh, theory. Oh, yeah! That's this guy, Andrew Saris. And uh, he, I have a book of his film reviews uh, from 1955 to 1969 called Confessions of a Cultist. And this is what he says. He says, I stopped lowering my head at the epithet cultist as soon as I realized that the quasi-religious connotation of the term was somewhat justified for those of us who loved movies beyond all reason. Was, was it on The Devil's Lettuce where we decided, like, the line between how you know something's a cult and not? <laughs> I, I don't know if we ever zeroed in on the line. I think we just established that Tom DeLonge is not a cult. I think that's what we established. God, I fucking hope so. I mean, I hope not. Another cult. Another cult. Um, I just got out of a cult, man. I don't need to get into another cult. <laughs> now we're going back. back <laughs> but, At least this but, one just likes aliens and Blink-182. Yeah, I'm, yeah, aliens and love. And, like, I don't have to, like, give my life or, you know, anything like that. Um, yes. So this is, yet. Yeah, this is the, th this is the line with cults is, like, cults are something you can't leave for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a way of putting it, be it a psychological reason or a physical one. I, I like that we're talking about, like, actual cults. Uh, Saris is talking about community, really. You know, devotion, devotion to cinema. And what he's saying in that quote is he's saying... Uh, it's worship. Know, pe pe people would call him, like, a cultist. Like, you know, the, this movie obsession of yours, it's like you're in a cult. And he said, I stopped being ashamed of that when I realized it was true because movies are like a religion to him. Wow. And uh, here's, Interesting. Another, here's another quote. This is a more modern one. It's sort of like we're going from the, the grandfather of film criticism and film theory to a more modern person with Patton Oswalt. And uh, Patton Oswalt is a film fiend as well. He wrote a book called Silver Screen Fiend, Learning About Life from an Addiction to Film. And in this case, he lived in L.A. between 1995 and 1999, and he had a movie addiction. All his free time was spent going to movies. And I totally get that, especially living in a place like California where movies are all around you. When I lived in Toronto, I was at the theater all the time as well, at least once a week. And, and uh, this is what Patton Oswalt says about, you know, film cultists. Sprocket Fiend is the name I have for the subterranean dimension in my film addiction. The subtle beneath the soundtrack sound of the clattering projector in those old rep theaters, especially the New Beverly. The defiant 24 frames per second mechanical heartbeat that says, at least for the duration of whatever movie you're watching, the world's time doesn't apply to you. You're safe in whatever chronal flow the director chooses to take you through. Real time, or a span of months, or years, or backwards or forwards through a life. You are given the space of a film to steal time, and the projector is your clock. The need for that subtle, clicking sprocket time makes you and made me a sprocket fiend. So whereas Andrew Saris was talking about how his obsession with cinema was like, uh, like religion or like being a part of a cult, Patton Oswalt is even more specific. He's saying, it's not just movies that I'm obsessed with. I'm obsessed with the atmosphere of being in the movie theater being in that space, watching it in the dark on the big screen with strangers, and in the background, hearing that whir of the projector, that subtle, you know, in the background, that's sort of keeping time for you, uh, even though the movie itself might take place over the course of millennia, in the background, there's this constant ticking, reminding you of where you are in the movie theater. So those are just sort of two quotes and I've read many books about fellow movie obsessives. Uh, but those are two quotes that really sort of spoke to me about my passion for film, my obsession. A, a, sp a sprocket fiend and a cultist. Oh, I love it, man. 
You know, it's interesting because I think about this a lot. I think about how um, really effective art is the is the most really effective art is the quickest way to traveling time or the most effective way or the most available way to travel through time um, that exists. And I'll tell you why, because stories are data with a soul. So data on its own or information is just, it just is, right? But stories help do something with that information that allows you to understand it better based on what kind of emotional outcomes you're trying to achieve. So like, it's interesting because if you have the right art available to you at younger ages, you can effectively emotionally grow and evolve with with the speed of the art because it's helping take you through the lesson or the experience of some character or characters living one like a you know if they made these decisions this is what we think would happen oh certainly i mean i you know me i am not uh, i like to get philosophical but i am a skeptic i am not one to you know believe in anything too new agey that said one of the special things about movies for me is that they are, in my mind, extremely close to what we call magic. Yes. And books, too. Books, too. I totally uh, agree. A, a meme that I've seen going around recently about books that I like is, how weird is a book? You are, st you are staring at slices of a tree and hallucinating. Vividly. <laughs> Vividly. <laughs> but all you're doing is you're staring at this this piece of wood with ink on it. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. And movies are kind of the same thing because, because you know what movies are? Movies are literal still pictures. And when you show enough still pictures in a row, they move. You're making something inanimate move. That is like magic. It is magic. And, and that's not even talking about, you know, as you said, being able to emotionally connect to the characters and, the idea of something that stays with you after it's over and you think about it and maybe it changes who you are and affects you on this deep emotional level, like that's pretty magical too. But uh, one thing that I always like sort of blowing people's minds with when it comes to movies, I took a, one of the courses I took in university as part of my film program was talking about ghosts and cinema. And the teacher liked ghost movies, so we watched a lot of ghost movies, but he also framed this idea that movies are like, they're kind of like necromancy. Because you can watch, you know, turn on a movie with Marlon Brando in it. Yeah. Marlon Brando oh is dead. Oh my god, they are necromancy! But you can watch Marlon Brando alive yeah, again. Yeah, you can. It's like he's right there. You can hear him. You can see him. You can see him doing stuff. He's going to put on a travel. show for you. Time travel. It's, it's like time travel, but it is also like ghosts like movies have ghosts in them uh, and not even you can you can apply this to to even like a home movie you know if somebody that you a relative of yours or a loved one has passed away but you have a video of them you can watch that video and there they are and you can see them like they were it's a it's a really kind of amazing thought uh and i mean I, it's like you you really sort of open pandora's box with this one because here i go right i could talk endlessly about movies because you know they're kind of like uh my lifeblood they're kinda, this is why i want this this is why this episode was way overdue a and b like we should do this more routinely because you do have a lot to say about movies and i could i go on for years i tell you but there are some things there are some movies more specific ones that i want to talk to pick your brain about there's a lot of movies you haven't seen that was sort of, that was part of our thinking with the Devil's Less Film Society is it's not just like, let's watch, enjoy watching movies together, but also so I could expose you to all sorts of films you hadn't seen before. Oh, and like, man, you, you don't disappoint. Like you have, I think this is one of the beautiful things of our friendship is you really do deeply understand me as a person. And so you're so good at finding art that you're like, you need to see this. And you used to do this to me at events all the fucking time where you'd put something on and be like, hey, Trish, look at this chair. Oh, look, there's some snacks close by. You might want to sit down. And I was like. And then I go. 
here's a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to just uh, voice your thoughts on whatever I play. Oh, God, yes. Uh, yes. And sometimes we would do that with our friend Kitty Eat World. Um, taco night. Pineapple night. <laughs> Pineapple Night, that's a that's actually that's sort of like another one of the origins of the Devil's Last Film Society. We we talked about sort of the the formal formation of it, where we were like, let's watch Mandy. We could do this all the time. But something I do want to talk about a little later on, the inspirations for how we put together the podcast, because they are many. And one of those things was uh, you and the Pineapple Night heckling random videos and stuff at the festivals we go to yeah yeah drunk like, movie trailers yeah we gotta we gotta record that yeah we'll do that one day man we're gonna record that we we didn't record it that one time but we know better now um but as i said like you there were big gaps in your movie knowledge i mean heck you know i guess we've known each other nine years now fuck yeah man uh we met in 2013 it's 2022 so we know each other nine years but within that time, you saw Star Wars for the first time. You'd never seen Star Wars before that. So, yeah, gaps. Big gaps. Yeah, I forgot that there was a time where I didn't watch any of the Star Wars. Yeah, I've always been into movies, but, like, growing up, I liked animation. I liked, you know, I watched a lot of Disney. I watched a lot of Pixar. I watched a lot of documentaries. I watched a lot of Jim Carrey. Watched a lot of, like, Same. you know, like, <laughs> like, 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 oh, like, those horror classics from the 90s, like Scream, I know what you did last summer, uh, Twister, um, Idle Hands, American Pie, like very popular movies, like, you know? Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until, yeah, I met you that there's just so many classics. Like, I, I took, I took a, I took a film course in high school. I really enjoyed it. Um, I have a, a background in design. My degree is specialized as an art degree. Like, it's a specialized art degree out of York University where um, I have uh, I have a, the equivalent of an art degree, but it's specialized for design. And it, um, uh, it allowed me to have this language around how to evaluate art. That's that's essentially why I bring it up is because, you know, taught like it was an art degree. So there was a lot of theory. There was a lot of postmodernism and, and modernism and form and the pedestal and that's where i learned about burning man was like in ah, these classes it makes a lot of sense of course in a design program that would be where you learn about it oh yeah so, like society design like like uh identity and like yeah so uh even though I, so i have this language in order to evaluate it but i didn't see in so many of these movies and like you just keep showing me the ones that i just fucking love so, okay, so what, you start first. What is your most favorite? What is your most favorite? Uh, okay. Um, so th this, this is good because this will lead into uh, a question I can volley back your way. So my favorite movies, there are a number of my favorite movies that we've watched on the show. Uh, Mandy, I absolutely love that movie. The Holy Mountain, just a, a classic, God, a masterpiece of surrealism. Swiss Army Man, just, just the farting boner corpse movie of my dreams. Right, me too. <laughs> and uh, also the films of Robert Morgan that I showed you, The Cat with Hands and Bobby, yeah. Just mind-blowing stuff. I had seen all of those movies before The Devil's Lettuce Film Society. So I also put a note here, my favorite movie that we've watched that I hadn't seen prior to The Devil's Lettuce Film Society. Uh, sorry to bother you, for sure. Oh. I hadn't seen it before, and of the movies that I had never seen before for this show, that is the one that is my pick for the best of them. Really? Just because you hadn't seen it beforehand? That Yeah, that's the, the sort of caveat with that one. Like, if we're talking of all the movies we watched, my favorites are the ones I said. Mandy, The Holy Mountain, Swiss Army Man, for sure. But if we're just talking about movies that we watched for this show that I hadn't seen before we recorded, then Sorry to Bother You is my favorite of those ones. So my, my follow-up question, because I want to know your favorite movies that we've watched, but before you say that, uh, other than love. Fuck! Love. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Other, other than, than love, love, had you seen any of the movies that we watched 
before like before we watched it for the show um were these all first time viewings for you except for the movie love Oh, I guess Thor Ragnarok you'd probably no, seen. No, I hadn't before. seen. No, no, no really? I hadn't seen Thor Ragnarok. Uh, not. No, 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 no. I haven't seen a single one before we watched them. So, so it's just, just love is it's the only just one. Love. Yep. That you've seen. seen before. Wow. Yeah. That's right. Awesome. And then nuts. That's, that's so great. great. I love. I love having been there for your first viewings of some of these. <laughs> The next field journal we do, The Runner. Right. That will be You've the second that one. Did it? Yes. You, you, you saw, saw it and you were like, we need to do this for the show. We need to do this because now I've understood. Now, now I feel like having having you along by my side to explain to me what to look for in movies and how to think about movies and how to think about storytelling and magic and time travel <laughs> through movies. Um, I now have figured out, like, I think the next level for me in terms of, like, what makes a movie very special um, and there's layers to it, um, now where you start to consider, like, you know, why I love, love so much. It's not because I'm not nominated. It's actually... I mean, it kind of is, though. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is, though. Uh, but, um, I, I took a really deep interest in having music help tell story, right? Like, like... I talked about this during the love episode where this started to be introduced to me when I was, um, what, like when I was watching a girl with the dragon tattoo and then I watched the Watchmen and I, I always noticed the score and I was like, the score is just devastatingly good and it has so much information in it. And who was scoring them was none other than Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And like, of course, you know, what What do rock stars, like some of the coolest rock stars, musicians, artists of our time, what do they make when they are, you know, they've healed and like, you know, they, it's, it's, it's a little bit disingenuous to tell a story like about how in pain you are when you're not, you can't, it's very, you can't, you can't write art for emotions that aren't there. That's what bad art is. Um, but, uh you know, you start telling stories through your music that have nothing to do with you or explore like a facet or a character or a, or an, or a situation in an interesting way that has, you have an experience, you start to get into the realm of design. Okay. This is why I bring up the concept of emotional technology is because Disney does this. I brought this up to you before we started recording. Okay. Disney is unlocked. I recently just got back from California, uh, Anaheim. So I went to Disneyland and I went on the most recent attractions that Disneyland has uh, for Star Wars. So it's an attraction for a movie I've seen, right? The, do you want to talk about fucking sprockets, my dude? I lived in a Star Wars movie for like a couple <laughs> hours, you know? Like the, the entire experience is a scene. We should probably watch a Disney movie at we some should. point, right? We should. We should. So your favorite Devil's Lettuce movie was Love because of the the same sort of ideas behind its construction. The like the mise-en-scene combined with the score, combined with the idea of like the the single character and you are sort of attached to them. So you, it's almost like you are sort of seeing the world through their eyes. And also, I remember uh, with that movie, you showed us the making of where it was like all done in this guy's backyard and he was making the sets himself out of stuff from Home Depot. And that, that as well sort of evokes the ideas you're talking about with something like Disney World, where it's this world that feels real around you, but it is artificial and made out of knickknacks and, and stuff. Yes, and, and... Sorry, go on. Well, so I was going to say, so is, is my assertion correct that you like the movie Love... It's your favorite of our Devil's Lettuce movies because it shares those same sort of art principles that you really enjoy exploring. It do it does. So the way I separate this from Disney is like, so love is like, there's a movie, uh, there's music videos, and there's an album. So we have like three dimensions of communication. Um, and 
with Disney, it's like you have even more. You have like experience, touch, smell, um, uh, like just the overall experience of being there. Um, you can feel things, like you can hear things. So when you start to add more dimensions or more fidelity of of art on top of a singular story, you get more of that story. You get so much more of that story. Which so part of part of the appeal for you is also that idea of like transmedia storytelling. Yes. Uh, something else that I studied in film studies at the time uh, when I was in film studies, it was right around the time that the Matrix sequels came out. And we did a unit about transmedia storytelling because The Matrix was, you know, The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions were the two movies that came out. But there was a video game, Enter the Matrix, that took place in parallel to The Matrix Reloaded. So if you want the full story, you could watch the movie, but then also play the game to find out more of the stuff that's happening, you know, in the world and... Obviously, with The Matrix, you know, the soundtrack was a big part of it, too, and the fashion was a big part of it. So it was this whole transmedia experience. It wasn't just the movie. The movie was the foundation for it. So we're starting to see this more and more, right? Like with Turbo Kid. That, when you brought up games, I was like, wonderful, you brought up games. Because, like, Turbo Kid has this movie. Lamatos did its score and soundtrack, which is just phenomenal. So these brilliant artists out of Montreal are, are, are making something amazing. And, and now they're creating like a game that's available on Steam. Right. And so what's really interesting is like, like Tom DeLonge's been doing this, like with like the recent album Life Forms that came out and there's a game that's associated with it, which is a lot of reading and I'm trying so hard to finish it, but there's just <laughs> so much, I only have so many brains left over at the end of the day. Um, but, but the, the thing is, is like, I only feel that way because I feel like I'm catching up on so much Tom DeLonge content. Like, like I we when we watched Love, I hadn't yet read um, the Secret Machines book or the Poet Anderson books, comics, and movie. The way that Love was created was very like almost active imagination in the moment will create the story. Because we watched the making of, and it was like uh, you could hear the band be like, "Oh, we did these shorts," which we watched in the pre-show. And uh, we did these shorts and it wasn't making sense. And then, you know, Jonathan Eubank, William Eubank went back and like was like, you know, let me go build this set and we'll just agree on this thing and then we'll move forward. So I don't think there was much design in that process. Uh, but but I think there's more as more movies uh, that Tom produced comes out. And his first directorial debut is coming out uh, with Monsters of California, full for a feature length film. I sense that we'll be watching that on, on this, this show, show at some point. You know we will. Um, it's inter it's very interesting hearing you talk about these ideas because you're talking about sort of this multimedia storytelling using art as a platform, a multi-prong platform for ideas and, you know, feelings and moods and such. But you're talking about it in two very different realms, like uh, for all that, you know, love, love the movie was backed by Tom DeLonge and sort of his production company. It, it was still a very much an indie movie DIY. And you mentioned Turbo Kid, which is also very much a DIY movie. Smaller and, and it, yeah, even smaller. And it's just so interesting to think about what you're saying, where it's like. But, you know, everybody's doing it. These tiny independent productions are doing it, but also giants like the likes of Disney. So it's cool. I, I can see what you're talking about. Uh, the, this, this collaborative idea that runs through all these different films, be they like the mega corporation of the House of Mouse or just some people in Montreal in a gravel pit. But, yeah everybody's, you know, throwing ideas into the mix. And uh, I guess it's sort of like a strength in numbers philosophy, but for art. It could be. And I mean, like, the technology is getting better, right? And it allows us to produce faster. And, like, it was interesting when we first started this conversation and you were talking about, you know, like, it's magic. It's moving pictures. And, like, it's really easy to forget that there was a time where, like, people couldn't take photos. They would draw each other in order to capture moments in time. 
and to mm-hmm. tell stories. Not not even just draw each other. Like there was a time where a person's silhouette, like people would get their silhouette done as a keepsake. Why? Because yeah, it was all that was available. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need like a spin-off show where we just talk about art history. That wouldn't suck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so here's another question about uh, movies we've watched for the show. We've established that Love was your favorite, but Love is also the only one you had seen prior to us watching it. So, so what about you? Do you have a favorite that you had never seen before? Oh my god! Okay, so the the, Turbo kid? the second Turbo kid? well, the, so the second level too, like the reason why I like you know why I like love so much, we know. Uh, call me Tom Matt DeLong. Just there's so much to talk about. <laughs> uh, um, uh, anyway, the the other dimension in which like I re- like like I really appreciate about movies is a commitment to vision, and I've talked to I've talked to Stickler about this so like so deeply because Stickler is a creative director pro- professionally. And she will show like art pieces, like videos to her team and be like, this is incredible as a ways to communicate like the commitment to vision. Like it is so completely unique and original because it's unwavering in its commitment to like the way this is the way I see the world. You need to see this because this is what I see. I I cannot wait to hear what movie you're about to apply this to. Because it could be applied to so many movies that we have watched. I think you probably know. And yes, and it can. But I'll tell you the first one that comes to mind. So anyway, it's it's essentially auteur theory again. Like this keeps coming up yeah. in all of our episodes because I am a big fan of auteur theory. When you are relentlessly pursuing a vision and you can, you've made a, a film that is in relentless pursuit of a vision... I think something like the Greasy Strangler is like a perfect <laughs> example of that. But like, but like, so is Mandy, right? So is exactly. Mandy. Exactly. Well, at Brazil, Brazil, the Holy Mountain, Tim and Eric, Get Out, Tommy, Sorry yeah. to Bother You, Holy Swiss Mountain, Swiss Army Man, Bobby, yeah. These, yeah. Are, these are all very dedicated to a singular vision. And like, Brazil is a, the example that pops into my mind because Terry Gilliam is like, very much one of those movie auteurs like he is a prime example because you can tell just by looking at one of his movies like this is a terry gilliam film that singular vision that you're talking about so i i i love how you sort of set up that idea and i was like which one is it gonna be which auteur film like there's an argument for so many of them here but the greasy strangler really does have a vision. Behind does it, have it? a vision? I was horrified, like I, in a in a in a very tickled way, like in a way that didn't freak. Like there's there's other times I've been horrified, like like Bobby Yeah really horrified me in a way that was just like you know I was like you know what I'm gonna be brave and watch this because like just the world <laughs> the world like it was so grotesque and horrible like he used like he used real oh actually he used real materials so this is another like really interesting dimension of creation right is when you start to use other materials to to comprise the textures in a film like so why stop motion is so fucking cool because you can agree, do that yeah. and because the effect it creates is unlike anything you can do digitally you know and it's and it's like vinyl it's like listening to vinyl compared to listening to an mp3 yeah, and that's that's actually a, a really good sort of launch pad as well, because uh, I also noted down. So, you know, my favorite movie that I hadn't seen before for the show, Sorry to Bother You, but my favorite screening that we did, my favorite episode that we did is for sure The Greasy Strangler. Oh, my God, that was so fun. Oh, that Just was so fun. Springing it on everybody. No, but I was the only person there who had seen it before. So just watching oh, everybody so excited, like jaws on the floor, dealing with this insanity. Uh, our buddy Tao, who is one of our regular peanut gallery members, he was just reduced to a quivering heap, making sort of sad noises, the little ah, ah, ah noises. <laughs> it was insane. It was so great. And uh, yeah, so the I, I'm there f- with the greasy strangler, man, like it's not one of my favorite movies that we've watched, but it is my favorite movie to show people. I gotta tell ya. It's it spawned Hootie Tootie, Disco Cutie, 
you're I call bullshit on that. You're a bullshit bullshit artist. artist. No, you're You're a bullshit artist. You're a bullshit artist. Hey, that's a good segue. That's one of our running jokes with the film society is, hey, I call bullshit on that. You're a bullshit artist. You're a bullshit artist. No. And that's where it came from. And uh, so here, here's, we've been talking about nostalgia. Let me give you a little trip down nostalgia lane as I read off some of our classic in-jokes. There's okay, course. here we go. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Which we say instead of a sound check, inspired by the movie Serenity, which, by the way, that is uh, one of the worst movies we've watched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, entertaining for how bad it was, but I have it among my worst. Um, and here are three that go together. Um, what's a terpene? <laughs> how long? What's how many? How many? What's a terpene? How many episodes did it take for me to learn what a terpene was? It took a while. Okay. Uh, you, you know what my favorite terpene is? Limone. 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 Um, which I believe was lemonine. Limone. Limone. My favorite terpene. And then once we finally got it in our skulls, what a terpene was. Uh, we learned something today and we'll learn, learn it again learn next it. time. Yeah, we'll learn it again next time. That's one of my favorite ones. I love that one a lot. Uh, here's one from the first field journal we did. Snails fucking. Snails fucking. Yeah, man. That was microcosms. It was snails. Or I guess that was the second. That was the second field journal. The first one was Koyana Scotsy. And the second one was Microcosmos. Snails fucking. Oh, those were such good nights. Yeah, those were great. And uh, then finally, uh, I mean, it's an in-joke, but it's a nickname. It's Sour Keys. And Sour Keys earned his nickname by just consistently bringing a pound of gummy Sour Keys to every screening, like consecutively for a lot of them. No matter how many times we said, please do not bring those because we will eat all of them. And he would keep bringing them. And we kept eating them. And we kept eating them. Good old Sour Keys. So there you go. There, there, there's a selection of uh, devil's lettuce in jokes. So um, we told them today, and we'll tell well, them again next time. Sure will. Um. So you said your least favorite was Serenity. It's one of my least favorites. You know what my actual least favorite movie that we watched for the show was? It was Butt Boy. You didn't like Butt Boy. No, not really, because. The end was pretty good. It was pretty funny. You know, they went in the butt. They went the right up in the <laughs> it butt. It was pretty funny. But like the hour that came before it, just it was nothing. It was like it was it was spinning its wheels. It wasn't very funny. Nothing much happened. Stuff wasn't going up his butt. Like that was a lot of waiting. It could have been a short film. And uh, and similarly, uh, Best Friends Volume One. Yeah. Super long. It's not that funny. You know, maybe a couple of chuckles. Yeah. So, absolutely. Honestly, I think the Greasy Strangler is like, that's what we are always aiming for. Yeah, I think so. You want something funny. You don't want something serious. You want something you can riff on, right? Like, we're all... The point of the film site is we're all going to get all goofy. We're going to get high. And we're going to, like, joke around while we watch a movie. So you don't want to put on, like, Schindler's List or something that's really going to bring a requiem for a dream. Like, it's just, uh, you don't want anything that's going to bring the mood down. You want funny stuff. So funny is one of my rules. Um, Weird. It doesn't have to be weird. Like, we've watched Point Break. Point Break's not really weird. Hard Target's not all that weird. Those were awesome. They were hilarious. And, th- and those are great, so it's not critical, but I really like a good, weird movie to show people because, again, like, this is an audio format. We want something that's going to get big reactions that people are going to talk about and laugh, 
You know, it, it always pains me when I edit the show if there's a long stretch where nobody's saying anything. I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. Like, you need something that people are going to react to. So weird and highly visual is also really good. Something that you don't need to, like, pay attention too much to what's being said to really get it. That's why something like The Holy Mountain, like, moment to moment, it's just all visual weirdness. And then the final rule, which, you know, we, we don't always adhere to, but I think it's better if the movie is short. Like, I think 90 minutes is an ideal Devil's Lettuce movie. It's, uh, two hours, you could go sort of two hours, but, like, you want to have the energy up through the whole thing. The longer a movie goes, the less energy people have. And that's why a movie like Best Friends Volume 1 wasn't that great a Devil's Lettuce movie because it was two and a half hours long. Uh, I would even say that Brazil, I friggin' love Brazil. It's two and a half, it's two and a half hours long. Like you, you want something that's not super, super long. So those, those are my four rules. Funny, weird, visually interesting, and short. Ah, uh, you get me. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, those are, they're critical. Those are critical. And uh, for the most part, we have definitely adhered to those. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's great. I agree with, with all those dimensions because the thing that I think makes a bad, like the, 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 the cardinal sin to me that a movie can commit is that it's not, it's boring. That is absolutely the rule. Uh, Vince and I, you know, we watch so many movies. We've been watching movies since high school together. And that is like the number one rule is like, if I am bored by your movie, you fail. Like, sorry. Like you don't want somebody's mind to wander. No, I'm I'm here. You know, I paid my my few bucks. I am. You have me do something with my attention. Right, right, right. Of my attention for like I, like ninety minutes. Like that is a it's a profound amount of time to focus on something. You know, like. So, what's your least favorite of the movies we've watched for the Devil's Last Film Society? Uh, I I thought uh, so. Best friends. For sure. I think it's one of the only ones we turned off halfway. No, we didn't turn it off halfway. Oh, we didn't? We watched, no, we watched the whole thing, but it was just half a movie. Oh, right. It was volume one. Another, yeah. Okay. We didn't watch volume two because right. we were like, I've had awful. enough. Yeah, it was so boring. So, so freaking boring. Um, what was the one? You, yeah, but boy, I can see that. Like, boring-ish. Um, and a disappointment, like that's another thing is you're telling me you got this movie about a guy who's got like a black hole in his butt and it takes you an hour to get to the point where he tries to suck a car into it. Like, come what on. What the hell? <laughs> exactly. How did this take this long? Uh, oh, so I wasn't a huge fan of the Congress actually. Oh yeah. 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 Because I can see that. Because so at this point in my life, I find like over the top violence, like over like like of of like um, Turbo Kid, to be less offensive than like gaslighting and negging of women. Ah, uh, yes. You know what I mean? Because at least with physical violence, we can all see it's happening. If you're not play paying entirely close enough attention, well. Turbo Kid's hyper-violent, like, fountains of blood ridiculousness, it, it's not something you really have to deal with IRL. Like, it's not, you know, an insidious social issue. Right. Insidious social issue is how I would describe it, right? So it's like yeah. there's, which is, you know, how I actually qualify, like, <clears throat> good horror movies, is they're able to solicit and, and um, hire your own imagination to do the job for it. And fill in the blanks for the most horrifying things you've you've seen. Like, you know, with Paranormal Activity, it's like, they don't actually show you anything. It's just a bunch of weird shit. So it's up to you to, like, fill in the blanks of what's going on. Especially when, like, the camera knocks over and all you can hear is, like, things and people screaming. And, like, you know, you have to imagine, like, the most horrific shit you've ever seen for people to be, like, responding that way to that. Um, and so that's why, like, yeah, insidious, what did you call it? Insidious social issues? <laughs> yeah, and I can see why the, the Congress would distress you because of that. There was definitely, it, the, the Congress is a really weird one, um, and I can see why it was recommended to us, because it definitely fulfills weird and visually interesting 
But that's another one where I felt like like the first half was a totally different movie from the second half. And I was really intrigued by the second half. But that first half is just a lot of Robin Wright getting nagged by all these people. And gaslit. Like, yeah. and, and like, yeah, so her, pe- but this is the thing that was so insidious about it. It's like, it was taking consent away from her. It was like making her believe that like, there was no other option other than to just hand away your autonomy. You get the impression that this filmmaker is making a movie about how film can steal away someone's autonomy. It's, it sort of goes back to what we were talking about before, right? Is uh, you watch someone in a movie and that person is not doing that anymore. That piece of them, that piece of their life has been taken away and turned into entertainment. And uh, so I do feel like there could be sort of a statement hidden in the Congress about that sort of thing. But I also, as I said in that episode, I feel like the, the story is very scattershot and doesn't really cohere. It's like a jumble of ideas that never really comes together. So even if that message is there for us to, to find, it's, uh, it's hidden in a messy room of a movie. <laughs> it really is. It really is. So very quickly, my favorite moments like from the devil's lettuce over time there's like a few of them that came to mind i love your callbacks to the like the the in jokes those are great yeah in jokes and and the screening of the greasy strangler definitely my my most favorite moments oh man there's there's all these other ones that are just like small like like tommy's the who was one of the ones we talk the most on because it was a it was a musical and it actually is the one that has i think the most hits like on Podbean, ah. to be honest. Because um, it's just us talking. And, like, Tao was fucking hilarious that night. Because like, he hates the 70s. Because he hates the 70s. And that's where we learned he, he hates, hates the 70s. Yeah, beans. hates it. I did. I, I love that. I'm so, I love where you go, no, no, no. Let's let's embrace British culture. Come on, everybody. Baked beans and egg and beers. <laughs> and he's just going, oh, oh. <laughs> And we had, they were having like a, what was it? Like a, a body competition. And then we started yeah. to, we all decided what our favorite body part was. Oh, it was, that's right. It was the Miss Legs competition. It was like competing for who has the best legs. And we all started deciding. So what's your favorite body part? <laughs> that's a good one. Good comeback. I forgot. Oh, that, that was, because it's hilarious what everyone says. Like you just fucking killed me. You said like your eyebrows. Like it was, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Our, the question was, what uh, what part of your body do you think could win in a competition for like the best parts of that, that like the, the best examples of that body part? And I said, yeah, I got these big bushy eyebrows. So I think I think these guys could win an eyebrow competition. <laughs> oh, my God. I think they totally could. Oh, I 100 percent. Now I got to go back and listen to that because, yeah, that, it's pretty funny. Oh man! More, yes. more moments. Uh, okay. And uh, when we were watching After Hours, like you're like, trust me, you have had a night like this before. And I was like, I'm not sure I have. And then by the end of it, I was like, whoa, I've totally had a night like that where I'm barely in control and like weird shit keeps happening and everything is going wrong. And like, you just desperately want to get away, but for some reason you can't, and then you got to go to work the next day and you feel like shit. Uh, yep. And so other than that, Tremor's penis snake. I love that. <laughs> Which is like the, the thumbnail. I still have your illustration of it's it. The, I love it's it. It's the thumbnail for that episode is the it penis is. snake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, oh, I think this is my actual favorite moment, though, is, um, on, recently on the Extraordinary episode where you made a grape levitate, and, like, you just, you just, you did it! You're fucking magic, dude! It was I task-mastered awesome. that shit. You task-mastered the fuck out of that, and, like, it, it, you did it! It was so good. Can I make a grape levitate? <laughs> the shaman delivered, I gotta bring, I gotta do more interactive stuff like that. Oh, God, that fucking killed me. It's like, oh, yes, the magic of the mind. Consciousness oh, that's is so great. Um, and uh, lastly, Koyana Scotzi, when we got a sound bath. Yeah, those were those. That was a fun experience. Like, man, I, I definitely miss those. Uh, 
those screenings at hot docs uh it's high-minded those those were really great but i mean i guess we we just do that shit for fun anyway we to do. be fair we do but it was so nice going to the fucking theater and like i love how uh the sound bath at koyana Scotsy, that was pretty great but i think the better part of that field journal was the rando who heard us talking about Koyaanisqatsi and came over and told us about going to see it in New York City. That was fantastic. Like that was you know, that's I'm so glad I had my my recorder out for that. Like that is the kind of thing that you can't plan and I'm so, it's just like amazing. That is that is the essence of of podcasting right there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and when I realized Apple was my spirit animal. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, of course Apple is. Yeah. And that recording was so great because I was on acid that day. <laughs> that was a fantastic, fun time. and that, Yeah, you know, we've done like the outdoor summer recording with a big audience. That was really great. So then what is, what's been your favorite weed strain through all the movies? I, I've noted this down and... Uh, so, Super Silver Haze. Me too! Mm. Oh, that's like our crap. That's a, kiss. That is a devil's lettuce favorite, you know. It is a fantastic one. That was so good. Uh, Durban Poison. Oh, I love Durban. Classic that we've indulged in. Uh, I mentioned it already, but the, the, the gold foil wrapped cone that we smoked before watching Mandy, like... I remember that was like, it got me, it really got me there, but, uh, just the like sheer decadence of indulging in something like that. It's just gonna live in my mind forever. And also the critical mass that I grew. I gotta, gotta mention that because that's sort of a fun, a fun thing that happened over the course of the podcast is I actually grew my own devil's lettuce and uh i really like the critical mass and that's uh been vaping while we do this and that's what's in my vape tonight is critical mass oh i love critical mass oh my god it had such a it it delivered some love like honestly so remember where i was like i'm not smoking it for like a while and you were like dude i i send it to you so you could have it and enjoy it i will send you more but, like, it was during the pandemic, and it was like, oh, man, it would make me think of you whenever I did it. So if I was Aww. missing you extra is when, I, like, you know, when I wanted to, when I wanted to hang out with I would smoke it. And it was like, oh, but I would hang out with, with the shaman all the time. So, well, there's there's going to be more goodies grown this year. They're on their way already. And what about you? What were your favorite strains oh, that we so, discovered? Silver, super silver haze, man. Fucking yeah. love it. I actually, and so a nice second is mimosa, which is what I'm. Fo- I've had a mimosa? lot of it. M- yeah, m- yeah, m- 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 mimosa. Uh, yeah, I've had a a big old bag of it. This was full m- multiple months ago. Uh, you know, it's tiny. Honestly, it, I love the way it tastes because it does. Like it, it tastes like citrus. It is for sure the most citrusy. Oh yeah, I guess a special shout out as well to what was it called? Caramel candy. candy oh yeah, push? yeah, car- yeah. Right. That I think I think that was what we had on our Highway to Hell episode, which the first one that we that we actually recorded, and uh, still the only strain we've had where it actually smelled. Like the thing it purport, like it purported to smell like. It said it smelled like caramel candy, and boy did it. Boy did it. So back in that day, like, but that was before the pandemic. I was ordering a lot of pre rolls, like, just to try them all out. And we were always going to events, mm. so I'd have these, like, you know, fucking stupid twenty four k gold wrapped gold leaf like joints, just so I could pull one out and be like, "Hey guys, <laughs> <laughs> feeling fancy tonight." Are you going to grow any of your own devil's lettuce at any point? Yes, I would really like to do that. Um, there's a couple of things that are taking priority at the moment. Um, but um, after the workshop is built in the garage, then I can get back to like, I want to I want to grow a garden. Like, I, I, there's there's just so much. There's so much and nothing but time. So I'll just take my time and enjoy it. Life's a party. Get high. 
Yeah, you got a chateau now. That's just like an endless project. It'll never stop. So before we wrap this up, one last thing that I foreshadowed and uh, wanted to mention are inspirations for this show. Because it wasn't just a matter of us going like, hey, we could get high and watch movies all the time. (laughs) Obviously, our shared interests fed into it. But uh, there are other things that sort of fueled my ideas for how to how to structure the podcast. Uh, one is a series of screenings that we used to go to at the Royal Cinema, Screen Queens. Screen where Queens! It, it rebranded to Alice in Chains Presents, but it was the drag queen Alice in Chains and guests. And they would once a month heckle a movie and sort of do what we do where they'd they'd show a movie and then Allison Chains and her co-host would be on the sidelines with microphones and just like laugh it up and they they would also get high <laughs> like openly just say like we're gonna go get high and we're gonna come back in and we're gonna watch this movie and they'd play a lot of nostalgic favorites and uh that that screening series man I absolutely love those um Welcome to the Basement. I don't know if you're familiar with Welcome to the Basement. It's a it's a YouTube show oh. and uh it's two guys and the premise of that show is one of the guys has a long list of movies that he's never seen. He invites his friend over, they watch one of the movies off the list and then they do like a brief discussion. They don't do it like over the movie, but it's like a 20 minute episode where you see them sort of riff on the movie a bit and then have like a discussion afterwards what they thought about it. Um, And they've been going since I think 2012. So there's a big backlog of these on YouTube. They're always just really fun and wholesome, but big inspiration. Um, And Riff Tracks is the other one. Riff Tracks are the mystery science theater guys and they put out syncable commentary tracks like we do and so riff tracks was where i got the idea like okay like let's do like screen queens like let's live heckle the movie watch it and heckle it but also make it a commentary so that you can sync it up on your end and watch along with us um and then one last sort of source of inspiration which it this is just sort of a coincidental thing but i i remembered it when i was thinking about sort of us brewing up the idea for the Devil's Lettuce Film Society. When I was back in uh, university for film studies, there was a guy in the university film society with me who told me he had this idea for a show. And uh, his idea, the format was going to be kind of like like Red Letter Media, like one of those, you know, watch and review a movie type shows. But he's like, but the premise is that we also review weed. We get high and we watch a movie and then we review the movie and we review the weed. And he's like, and it's going to be called Cloud Nine Reviews. This is going to be a great idea. And I was always like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Uh, I checked. He never did it. (laughs) But when you and I were like, you know, we could get high and make these commentary tracks. I was like, yeah. Like Like, Cloud Nine (laughs) Reviews. Like, Like, I think this idea has legs. Yeah, man. I I fucking... It's funny because, like, I don't care if not a single fucking person listens to us. I listen to this. Like, this podcast is, like, for me. Like, let me be very clear, like, how if I'm, you know, feeling, like, down or I miss my friends, especially during a pandemic, I throw on one of these episodes and I'm back with all of us hanging out laughing my fucking ass off because when we're all together we're all just so fucking funny and i don't care if it's not funny to anybody but me but the fact that i get to go back and listen to that just makes life great absolutely it's this it's this nice record of just us hanging out together uh it a rare sort of thing you know you think of what people take photos of and just like the the th- the mementos they keep, it's usually special occasions. But one of the sort of more personal facets of our show that I like is that it's not a special occasion. This is just us hanging out and watching a movie and having fun. Which is always but, a special occasion. <laughs> but we, we have a record of it in that way. Yeah, man. It was funny because uh, my birthday just happened like, you know, two, whatever, a few days ago. 
Um, and my, like long chip kept asking me like, what do you want to do for your birthday? Like, I'm like, I don't know, man. Every time, like let, every time I get to see my friends, it's my birthday. Anytime I get to spend any time with my oh. friends, it's my birthday. It's the best day. It's my new favorite fucking day. So I get to hang out with my fucking buddies and, and lose my shit because, like, oh my god, there's prosthetic penises on a TV screen. And <laughs> and that's every time you hang out with them, too. <laughs> like, just without fail. Every single time they get it out, there it is. Somebody's, like, throw on the tape of the prosthetic, uh, prosthetic dicks. Pinchy's here. Put on the tape. <laughs> dick jokes. I love them. <laughs> dick, jo- dick jokes and butt jokes. You just... As, as Pinchy's has arrived, the usual, madam. Uh, oh, yes, the tape of prosthetic penises <laughs> right away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, man. <laughs> I think that covers it. Uh, we can do more of these, but I think on this, the, the, the third year, year three of the Devil's Lettuce Film Society, um, I think that gives some pretty good background to any one of our five listeners who <laughs> might be interested. <laughs> Hi, guys. All five of you. We're not a popular show, but that's okay. We're doing this for us. Oh, God. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, I got a, I got a whole other popular podcast. Let me tell you, it's no different. Well, you heard it here today, and you'll hear it again you'll next time. You'll hear it again next time. Lamone. <laughs> Lamone. What's a terpene? Snail's fucking. <laughs> I need to make some stickers with those on them. That is, oh, that is what I need to yeah. do. I, a, a sticker you, or a pin god. that says snails fucking snails fucking oh my god dude in a, the, with the words going in a spiral snails fucking <laughs> amazing <laughs> amazing alright well on that note this has been the Devil's Lettuce Film oh. Society and uh, you'll hear from us again really soon just remember Use responsibly. <laughs> <laughs>